Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Baseball and Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yavoli. The Game Changer Podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their lives to the games of baseball and softball and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. You can follow us on Twitter at GC Sports and be sure to check out the Game Changer Baseball and Softball Scorekeeping app. It provides simple, powerful, and free scorekeeping tools with advanced statistics, live updates, and team management solutions that work at any level. The Game Changer Scorekeeping app is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android. You can learn more about Game Changer at gc.com. Today in the show, we have Troy Silva. Troy played baseball at Cuesta College and Lewis Clark State College before being drafted by the Cleveland Indians. He played professional baseball for six years before being forced to retire after two arm surgeries. He then started teaching at Rioho Athletics, where he teaches baseball and softball players hitting and fielding. He also teaches coaches and parents about how to teach and motivate their players and children. Troy also runs the Baseball Family Podcast, where Troy and his wife share their experiences as a baseball family. We talk more about the podcast today on the show, along with how coaches can make baseball fun for their players, how to build confidence, how to avoid unrealistic expectations, and much more. Here's my interview with Troy Silva. Troy, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you doing this. Yeah, I'm excited to get to talk, but... um. Let's uh, let's just jump right in. I thought a good place to start would be, uh, why don't you tell us about Baseball Truth, um, you know, why you do it, why it's important to you. Well, Baseball Truth started kind of just as me, um, well, it started a long time ago, but it started as, as me getting into the social media and kind of becoming this truth teller when it comes to, um, you know, youth baseball, youth softball. Um, so it kind of, it's kind of grown, I guess, over the years into something that, um, now it's kind of like who I am and what I do, which is basically trying to expose the garbage that's out there specifically in, in youth sports, but also like in high school and college and pro ball too, as well, that everybody sees that everyone's afraid to talk about that. No one really wants to, you know, be accountable to kind of, everyone turns a blind eye to it. So I feel like it's kind of my, my calling, if you want to call it now to actually, tell the truth and, and the truth and what I see in, in, in specifically baseball and softball. And then the, the second side of it is I'm a Christian man first. So trying to spread the truth of the gospel of Jesus and trying to be an example and a light to people that I encounter both on the field, off the field with all the parents and umpires and coaches that I encounter on a regular basis. So there's a lot of spiritual truth to it too, as well. Um, but the whole idea behind it is just to to be in a light and to to help people through this journey that they're on with their kids and um, really try to help be an example to what needs to be happening out there in the baseball and softball communities. That's awesome. I, I mean, that that definitely is a great mission. Uh, you know, you mentioned um, one of the things that you're, you're trying to shine a light on, on. You mentioned the garbage that you see. Can you give us an example of what do you mean by the garbage that you see? Well, it's kind of a harsh word, I guess, if you really think about it, but it is really garbage. <laughs> if you really think about it, it's, it's, um, to garbage from just unrealistic parents putting too much pressure on their kids to treating umpires like garbage from coaches yelling, cussing, screaming at nine year olds to just mm -hmm. playing time that travels this and exposure that it's just a whole bunch of garbage that's out there that I think people just 
are just tired of quite honestly. And it's a lot of it's money based. And then a lot of it's just, you know, pride based too as well. But I think the garbage specifically is just kind of attitude and actions on how things are being presented out there in the community more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start from the, the coach's point of view. I, I have written down, you know, if you can give us some examples of like what toxic coach behavior would be, maybe toxic is too strong of a word, but give us some examples of, you know, some some bad behavior that you've seen from coaches nowadays. Well, I think toxic coaching has a different approach kind of on different levels. You know what I mean? It's like you can't as a college coach, do things the same that you would if you're coaching nine-year-old kids. So like a, a toxic coach at a nine-year-old might be a good coach in college as far as what they're doing. But I think the overall um, negative part of the coaching side of things specifically is just really not loving your players and caring about your players, nor trying to be a good example for for your players. I think most coaches these days are so consumed with you know plastic rings and wins that they they underestimate that the impact that they have and influence that they have, not only just on their players, but in the community with the parents, with umpires and everything. So I think toxic coaches specifically at a young age are things like cussing at kids, yelling at kids, getting thrown out of youth baseball games, stuff like that. Uh, I think toxic coaches at at the older levels are, are more things like, you know, just all about the wins, not really diving into, you know, human beings at that time, because that that level, you know, high school, college, pro level. I mean, there's a lot of learning in life at that time, too. And I think a lot of times it just gets kind of caught up in the wins and losses and you're not really there for the kids as a, as a person. So being a mentor, being an example um, is that. But I think the toxic stuff that I see is a little bit more crazy at the younger levels. I think the older levels, you've done it long enough to understand it's, it's a different process. It's a different understanding of, of what goes on there. But we, I can label toxic in a whole bunch of ways. The one thing that I see is I just kind of label it as that kind of Johnny testosterone, crazy, you know, tyrant type of coach. Right, right. And so, so let's talk about at the youth level, um, what should, what should the ultimate goal of a coach at the youth level be? How, how do you view that? Having fun. I think there's, there's less and less fun in baseball these days. Um, if, if you think about it, it's like, it's so consumed with like, you know, getting better and grinding and out and, and winning championships and all this stuff and all that stuff's important. But at the same time, there's, there's a lot of fun being lost in the game these days because of that. And I think once you're at a a level where it's not fun, kids kind of get weeded out. They don't like it. They don't want to do it. And then before they're, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, where it gets a little bit more serious, they're already burnt out by it. So I call it the F word. The fun is is lacking. Um, and, and as a youth coach, if you're not having fun doing it yourself, your kids aren't going to have fun either. And, and then just put a, a, a realistic expectation on it. You can still compete. You can still, you know, work hard. You can still do the things that you need to do to improve. But it should be fun, specifically at the at the youth level. Right, right. And so can you talk about some of the ways that a coach can make it fun for the kid, especially at that young level? Well, the first one is just smile. Um, it sounds funny, but like as a coach, smile, enjoy what you get to do, enjoy your opportunity that you have to influence young people, enjoy your, your opportunity that you have to coach. You know, most, most coaches don't get paid money to do it or get paid little money to do it. So it's like, enjoy it. I think the stress factor of, you know, dealing with parents and playing time issues and trying to get the right kids and trying to win tournaments, it just turns into this kind of angry type of mode where you're kind of always on the defense. So I think the first thing starts with just smiling about it. And then the second thing is just understand that it should be both when you're, when you're training and practicing, you should have days where you just let them be kids and have some fun. But then there's also days where you work hard. I have, I have a way of doing things that I try to make it hard work and fun. I try to smile at the kids or smile 
all the time with the kids. I try to make them smile. Uh, uh, you know, I want to crack jokes and have fun. If they mess up, don't make it a big deal. So there's, there's a lot of different things you can do, but I think it really starts with the coach's attitude more than anything else. Right. So, you know, the, the one thing that's coming to mind is, um, you know, yes, it, it obviously starts with the coach's attitude, but, but let's say that, um, you know, one of the other things you mentioned is, you know, that obviously the parents play a role in this. Um, so if you are a coach who's listening, how can coaches make sure that the parents are making it fun for their, for their kids, right? You know, it's one thing for the coach to make sure that the team is having fun, but you know, when parents talk to their kids after practice or after the game, how do they make sure that they're communicating in a positive way that's still going to make it fun for their kids? Yeah, that's, that's common out there. Um, I think it's, it's a coach's responsibility to actually, you know, work that out, talk that out. But I also still think it, it comes down to a parent trusting the coach. I think there's a, a lot of parents who really don't trust the coach, whether it's, you know, personality stuff or what they're being taught or, you know, you see a coach that's out there yelling and screaming at their kid. It's like they don't trust them. So they feel like they got to put in the extra stuff, too. So I think it's also something that a coach can actually sit down with their parents and work on. Like I, I say this all the time when I go speak. It's like, hey, take your parents, get them all together and teach them how to act during a game. Teach them what to say, what not to say the expectations on the car ride home, that kind of stuff. But I think parents have the the desire to say stuff because they just don't feel like they're getting, you know, enough from the coach or the coach is, you know, a, a non-trustworthy type of person. So I think it's twofold. You, you really got to be an example as a coach, but also you got to actually work at work at it regularly with your parents, which if you really think about it, there's the time and the day to do that. It's just not realistic, but we we would do it uh, on a regular basis, maybe quarterly or whatever, just to remind parents and and really take charge. If you're if you're seeing something, you know, really go talk to someone face to face about it. You know, we have specific rules that we have, but at the same time, it's it's one of those things where you got to have accountability and you got to communicate properly through it. Right, right. So, can you give us some examples of you know when you talk to parents or when you advise coach coaches to talk to parents? What are some of the things that they should address when they're having that conversation? Well, one simple one is just how you how you act in the stands and what you say and what you don't say. Like, we'll, I'll teach the parents, hey, your kid just struck out. What do you say? And they'll look at me like, you know, whatever. I say, you say nothing. You clap and you say, hey, get him next time. You know, it's got to be positive. You know what I mean? Versus what usually happens is the parent gets all angry, starts pacing down the line and then just makes it way worse. So it's, it's really teaching them what to say and what not to say. So um, I think a lot of it is just parents want to help their kids and we all want to have success and we want our kids to be successful and I think a lot of the times the parental advice is actually hindering the ability for the player to compete at the highest level possible because they're so worried about what mom and dad thinks. So a lot of it is just what you're saying and what you're not saying. And, and I would just advise parents just to keep it positive. Even body language and, and actions make a big deal to kids. They see that kind of stuff. Right, right. Makes sense. Um, you know, so the the sort of flip side of that is, you know, when you talk about, uh, let's say, let's say a parent signs a kid up to play in a team and he just so happens to get he or she just so happens to get paired up with a coach that is displaying some of that toxic behavior. You know, the parent identifies it. How can a parent um, either approach that coach or make sure that their kid, um, you know, the kid's experience isn't ruined by a coach with, you know, the toxic behavior that we talked about before? Yeah, well, kind of bluntly and honestly, leave. I mean, that's my opinion. If, if you're in a situation with the coach is just who he is and it's a regular thing, 
then I would just leave. You know, if it's just something where he had a bad day and, or whatever, and it just kind of got frustrated and maybe he apologized or asked for forgiveness, that's a different thing. But if it's a consistent toxic behavior, you just got to leave. I think, I think parents are too scared because of what might happen or what they might not find on a different team or whatever. But like, if my kid was ever in that environment, I would literally take him out of the dugout and say, we're done and would just leave. Um, but I would all, always um, start with just a, a face-to-face conversation with the coach. Now, here's the flip side of that is coaches don't want to talk to parents. You know what I mean? So it's like I, I don't want to hear a parent's opinion on things sometimes. It's like if you if there's some issues with, with you know, life stuff, then that's one thing. But like playing time and where they're hitting in the lineup and, and all that kind of good stuff, coaches don't want to hear that. So they're instantly defensive already. So as a parent, if there was some toxic stuff, I would try to talk to them face-to-face and then if the coach just ain't having it, it's just time to go and it's time to leave. It's a hard thing to do, but you just got to do it. And most people don't do it because of, you know, fear of what might happen. Right, right. Makes sense. Makes sense. So so let, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, your philosophy on player growth. As, as a coach, what are the top things that you want your players to learn from the game? Uh, that's easy. It's, it's confidence. Um, a lot of kids these days build confidence in life through, through baseball because it is such a hard sport to play. Uh, hard work is another one. So I think there's a severe misconception of what hard work is these days. Um, you know, a kid goes and hits off a tee 15 times in, in their basement or whatever and think that's working hard. Um, and then just the other one is just being a good teammate and, and learning to put others more important than yourself and treat others with respect and kindness and and that aspect of it. So if you put those three th- things together, that's kind of who I am and what I try to instill into the players, build confidence, work hard and be a great teammate. I think everything after that kind of jumps into one of those three categories. Mm-hmm. So, so actually I wonder if we can go through each, all three of those and sort of define each one. So talk about what, what does confidence mean to you when you look at a kid that's confident? What do you see? How do you define that? Yeah. So confidence is a big deal these days because of the overwhelming amount of, you know, information that's out there with coaches and YouTube videos and social media. I mean, there's so much information. So what I see on a regular basis is a kid goes and wants to get better or their parent wants them to get better. They go try to get better by, you know, let's say hitting, they go watch a hitting video or go get hitting instruction. And then before you know it, this kid has so much information in their brain about hitting that they can't just get in there and compete. So they actually lose confidence and they lose that that desire to kind of want to do things right because of what they haven't been taught or have been taught. So the confidence thing specifically is something that kids have to do in, in things like getting challenging repetitions. Um, as a coach, it's simple things like high fiving them, telling them you can do it, chest bumping them, you know, building, building that, you know, that aggression mentally, I think aggression mentally really builds confidence too, because uh, a lot of times that's never worked on, you know, to say hitting a kid goes and does hitting instruction, they hit off a tee, which isn't wrong. But if that's all they do, if hit off a tee and they don't work on aggression or the ball moving or anything like that, they're not building confidence through that process. So confidence is built through failure, number one, and through hard work and just understanding that it just takes time to do it. So there's, there's a ton of different ways that we help build confidence. A lot of it is just being positive. There's times where a kid needs to be kind of kicked in the butt versus patted on the back. But at the same time, most of the time, the confidence is built by patting them on the back challenging them mentally and really, really getting them out of their comfort zone to do things, um, a, a higher level, I, I guess is the best way to put it. Right. Yeah. When I was, what I'm hearing and what I wrote down here is confidence is, is basically being okay with failure, yes. being okay with challenging yourself and being okay with making mistakes and knowing that you're going to get better. 
Absolutely. We actually encourage, encourage failure. Like there's days in our academy where I tell the kids, Hey, we're trying to make you fail today. And I want you to battle and have a good attitude behind it because you're building confidence through this process. Right. Right. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so, so the second part, hard work, and you specifically mentioned, um, a lot of people don't know what hard work is nowadays. Can you talk a little bit? What is hard work to you? Um, hard work is just having an attitude of, of hustle and toughness. Really. That's what it comes down to. So hard work is everything from when you show up to a practice, do you hustle everywhere? You know, when a coach says, you know, run through the line, do you halfway jog through the line? You know, do you get some extra work in? Um, are you, are you really putting in some extra work on your own beyond just normal practice? Um, you know, are you, are you weight training if you're old enough? Are you eating right? And, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things that include the hard work, but I see it all the time. I don't know if it's just the culture of, of travel ball and showcasing yourself, but kids, they show up to the field. There's not a lot of hustle. There's not a lot of intensity. There's not a lot of like passion to play anymore. So I think a lot of the, the hard work isn't necessarily like what you're doing, but it's just your overall desire to go do things at, at, at that hustle level, you know, from everything from practice to games to everything, it just becomes who you are. So hard work is, is, is more of just kind of an attitude of, of toughness and hustle more than anything else, in my opinion. Right. And, and how can, how can a coach teach that? You know, I mean, cause from my playing experience, my sort of opinion is that everybody learns that at some point in their playing career, but it's the kids who learn that sooner rather than later than that end up doing better in the long run of their career. So how do you teach that to a kid, especially a young kid? Well, number one, it's it's got to be a desire of yours as a coach to to want to have that. Uh, I think that's a problem too. I think coaches these days just kind of let kids do whatever sometimes. So it's got to be your desire as a coach. And the second thing is follow through and accountability. You know, if 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 I as a coach say, hey, we're gonna hustle every time on and off the field, and that just happens in the first inning and not through you know two through nine or whatever, then then that's your your fault as a coach because you're not holding them accountable. But what happens is is kids really want accountability. They want to do the, th the right thing, but they just usually don't have, you know, the coach that, that helps them through that process. So I think the coach has to be accountable and you don't have to be a mean person about it. You don't have to be a jerk. You know, it's just like if you just set the tone of what you expect and what you do, the kids will do it. But, you know, you give them an inch and you, you, you give them a little bit here and there. And before you know it, you're like, how do we get to this level? And then, then at that point, you're just like, I just don't even want to deal with it anymore. So it's just accountability. And if you just stick with accountability for a week, two weeks, a month, the kids will end up doing it on their own. Uh, and then, and then the third thing you mentioned, um, was being a great teammate. Can you talk about, um, what's a great teammate? How do kids learn to be a great teammate? Well, a great teammate is basically someone that cares more about the team success than their own personal success. So Obviously, everyone cares about their own personal stats and batting averages and all that kind of good stuff. No one, no one, if, if they're not saying they don't care, or if they say they don't care, they're lying about it. Um, but at the same time, like, I think, I think we have to understand the bigger picture. And this is what we talked about with the whole baseball truth. The bigger picture is, is you're building life lessons and your whole life is going to be about teamwork. You know, if you get married, you have kids, you know, you, you get a normal job, whatever it is, you're going to have to build yourself some teamwork in the environment that you're in. So I think learning that puts the puts the focus off yourself and it really focuses on other kids and you're you're actually building relationships. So one of the most important things that we do for our teams is really building that family community and that relationship amongst the players and the families so that it lasts, lasts a lifetime and, and they remember it. They'll remember more about what you taught them as a person than what you taught them about baseball. That happens all the time. Right. So that's that's the key factor is when we say be a great teammate. 
It's big, everything from picking up your teammates to hustling to playing as hard as you can to showing up early to cleaning up the dugout. That's what being a great teammate's all about. Right, right. Yeah, and again, it's it's been my experience that the players who learn to be a great teammate, they're the ones that end up having better individual success, which is a little hard for kids to learn. You know, they think they got to focus on themselves. They got to be the best on the team. The way to be one of the best on the team is to be a good teammate and worry about everyone else um, or worry about how you're picking up your team. That's the way to get to get ahead. Well, it just relieves pressure more than anything else. It's, it puts the pressure off yourself and it, and it puts the pressure onto the team. And the anxiety and the pressure part of baseball is huge. So if all you do is focus on, you know, I'm 0 for 4 today, then you're putting more pressure on yourself to perform and you're not doing what the right. team needs you to do anyway. Right. For sure. For sure. Um, so one of the things I've seen you mention um, is that uh, you mentioned there's not enough compete being taught today. Can you talk about what you mean by that? Yeah, that's um, it's a pretty simple process, but I would I would just look at it as this. A lot of the stuff that's being taught today is great information. It's great stuff. You know, you, you say that let's just focus on the hitting. So you go to a hitting coach and they tell you how to swing and do this drill and this T drill and this soft toss drill and you swing, 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 swing. And then you get into a game and then you wonder why you don't have success. And then the natural reaction for a kid is to blame the swing because they're they're taught that it's always the swing's fault. The swing is the key to success and, you know, the cause of failure. So if that's all you work on and you never work on the compete part of it, you'll never compete the way you want to compete in the, at the plate because hitting is about competing on a regular basis. It's competing in the dugout. It's competing on deck. It's competing, you know, in practice and training. It's competing in everything that you do. And what I mean by compete is, is be challenged. Kids these days don't really get challenged. Challenge yourself with better pitch recognition, better vision. Challenge yourself with being quicker to the ball, better bat speed, better power. Challenge yourself with a better attitude when you do fail. You know what I mean? So that's the compete part. And and reality of it is, is that's what elite hitters and elite baseball players do is they compete on a whole different level than the kids that are just kind of mere average to, to good players. So the compete part is, is, in my opinion, is thinking about it as challenging yourself both physically and mentally at a level that's beyond what you're normally used to uh, kind of getting out of your comfort zone. So an example of that would be right. instead of just doing T-work all the time, get your T-work in, but also go find some live arm machine or some coach that can fire it on you really quick. So you're actually working on reaction and working on the visual principles of hitting too as well. So that's the whole idea of competing. And quite honestly, the compete happens in practice. Um, I tell people all the time, you should compete so hard in practice where the games are just fun. And and I think it's completely opposite. I think the practices are just fun. And then you get into a game and you're overwhelmed with the competitive factors that are involved. Right. right. And, and it sounds like the key there is getting out of your comfort zone, being able to put yourself in a position or against another pitcher, another player, whatever it is that maybe is just a little bit better, better than you um, or better than you should be so that you can, you know, continue to move up. Is that right? Yep. And try to practice harder than what the game is going to do. Try to practice it faster than game speeds. You know, we do, we do a lot of machine work and stuff like that. And the kids will start making excuses. Oh, it's hard to time. It's, it's hard to see it's, it's too fast. And then I tell them to compete and I tell them to figure it out and they'll figure it out. And then they'll come back to me going, you know what, that will really help because now in a game, I feel like it's slowed down so much. So I think we, when we do stuff, we try to make the practices and the training harder than games. So the games just is, is a time that you go out and enjoy competing with your friends. Right. For sure. Makes sense. Um, so let's talk about, uh, you know, I, I see you talk a lot about people's attitudes, players' attitudes. 
Can you give us an example of some of the best players you've coached? What type of attitude did they have? What's the ideal attitude for a player to have? Well, you can think of a whole bunch of different words. Um, I think of selflessness. I think of hustle. I think of com- competition. I think of toughness is a big word. I think the the elite players that that continue to play at a higher level have a different level of toughness. Toughness both physically and mentally. You know, there, there's just a different level there. Um, but yeah, the, there's a whole bunch of words that would describe that. I think humble, um, humble confidence is a, is a good way to think about it. Um, you got to be confident with what you're doing to play at an elite level, but you also got to understand that you, this game kind of humbles you really quick so that you can't be too high and too low. Um, I just think of, of just being a good person too. I mean, being a good person is always helpful. I mean, are you a person that people want to be around? Do you encourage your teammates? Do you, do you, do you set, you know, specific standards standards by the way you act and the way you present yourself? You know, is your social media clean? You know, are you making good decisions off the field? I think there's way more to it than just skill involved. Right. Right. So one of the things that you mentioned toughness specifically, you know, I know the big word today is grit. Um, you know, that could also be aligned with toughness. Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by toughness? How can kids learn that skill and develop it? That's a hard skill to learn. I think you, you need some, you need accountability from coaches that care about that aspect of it because I teach kids a lot of toughness, but I do it out of love and it's never going to be mean or degrading or anything like that. But I want them to learn how to be tough because more importantly than just baseball is going to teach them about life. This life that we live is, is hard. I mean, it's especially these days, there's so many things pulling at you in different directions and diseases and death and all that stuff that goes along with it. You have to be tough both physically and mentally as a human being just to last, last in life. So I think as a coach, you have to understand, like you, I think it's one of the most important things that we need to teach this generation today is the toughness factor. And it doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. I played in college for one of the most crazy coaches in America at the time. If he did what he did now, he'd probably be in jail. Um, but at the same time, I look back and I'm like, I needed that as a person. I needed that as a human being because it just taught me so much about battling through life. So I think it's I think it's one of the most important things that coaches need to to address. And there's different ways to address it. You know, I, I think of one specific idea, you know, a kid gets hit by a pitch. Right. And you as a coach, you know, if he's really hurt or it's just a little boo boo. You know what I mean? So it's like you get hit. It's like my first instinct is to be like, okay, is he okay? And then if he is okay, let's go hustle down there. Be tough about it. You know, so it's that it's that fine line of understanding, you know, when to challenge a kid uh, physically and mentally, but then also understanding are they hurt or, you know, is, is it are they scarred by it? That kind of stuff. So so you got to you got to have good judgment in, in that case. But I would say that toughness is huge in, in this culture and generation. Right, right. You know, so so one question that that just popped into my mind is, you know, so you're a let's say you're a youth coach. Um, you know, you've been doing this for, your or or you're new to it. You're new to coaching. Um, you know, and you want to make sure that they uh, that the kids that you're coaching are having fun. Um, but like you said, you also want to make sure that you're pushing them, that you're putting them outside their comfort zone a little bit, and then you are developing that toughness. Um, can you talk about, maybe this is a hard question to answer, but can you talk about how coaches can learn to walk the fine line between balancing the two, right? Making sure that they have fun, but also pushing them and making sure that they're getting better and that they are a little uncomfortable. Yeah, that's, it is a tough question, but it's also an easy question. I think a lot of that stems from what level you're coaching at. And it sounds Mm -hmm. simple, but it's true. Like if you're coaching a little league, 
you know, 10 U team, you got to have a little bit more grace and you can't challenge them mentally as much. Usually, you know, they're learning the game and, and stuff like that. And they, they, they don't understand that you got to build more confidence. And some of those kids might right. be fearful of being hit by the pitch. So you can't just say, Hey, stay in there. You know, you got to give them encouragement and, and right. teach them how to battle it. But then maybe you're dealing with an elite, you know, 14U, 12U team that's, you know, a travel club ball team that's a little bit more tough and you can challenge them mentally too as well. So it's it's a different mm-hmm. feel depending on what you got. And I think that's one of the major problems with coaching is everyone wants to coach like they're in the big leagues and you're dealing with different athletes and different mindsets and different skill sets and, and different, you know, I guess potential and stuff like that too. So a coach needs to adapt to what they got. I don't coach the same way when I'm right. coaching, you know, college level kids as I do when I'm coaching my son's, you know, 12U team. I, I'm totally different. My 12U team, I'm trying to right. smile more, have fun, chest bump them, high five them, encourage them. If I'm coaching coaching college, I'm challenging them mentally to be tougher. And I might, I might be a little bit more firm with them. So uh, understanding who you are and, and, and what you're doing and who you got is a big deal in that, that answer. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. So you need to, you need to know your audience a little bit. You need to know who you're working. Exactly. With. And and not only just as a team, but individually, you need to know like, Hey, this kid's a little bit tougher. I can, I can push him a little bit more and he's not going to get fired up or cry where this other kid might need to be encouraged a little bit more. So it's that fine line of understanding each kid too. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so, uh, you know, again, another question from the player's attitude standpoint, um, you know, let's say a kid is, uh, in high school, um, or, you know, maybe JV and, uh, they're not playing, but they want to move up. Right. How do you recommend the kid work to, to move up in terms of the player's eyes? What, what, uh, sorry, in terms of the coach's eyes, what are some things that the kid can do uh, to move up a little bit on the playing chart? That is a very hard question to answer and, and to handle for a kid because sometimes it doesn't even matter how hard you work. There's just no opportunity with where you're at in the, in the situation you're in. Sometimes a coach just has their opinion and it is what it is. And then sometimes, you know, there's nothing you can do, but um, I can't stand when I hear, oh, it's political and this and that. There's politics involved in some of these 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 situations, if you want to call them. But most of the time, it's just coach's opinion. So when you have a coach's opinion on something, it's it's kind of hard to deal with at the same time. But it's it's something you got to be aware of. I I use myself as an example. So my junior year in high school, I sat the bench the whole time. I should have been playing. I was pretty good. I didn't play very much. I don't even remember playing hardly at all. And I remember my coach come up to me and he says, you know what? This is just not your year to play. You know, I had a senior playing in front of me. I thought I was better. I think the whole team thought I was better. But it was one of those opportunities for me that I could be a horrible teammate, which I probably was in the beginning, you know, being selfish and wanting to play. And then understanding like, you know what? It is what it is. And God has a plan and I'm just going to go do my thing. And then ended up the next year being like, I'll state this and I'll state that. And I look back and it was, it was like one of the best things that I've ever had to go through because it taught me that I'm not as good as I thought I was. And, and no matter what I think or what my parents think, the coach might have a different opinion. So my advice is, um, ask the coach, say, Hey coach, what, what do I got to do to try to get some playing time? Is it, is it, you know, defensive? Is it quickness? Is it velocity? Is it batting? Whatever it is. And then go put in the work to try to get it done. I think it's that that easy, but it's also that hard because you got to deal with whatever the coach thinks in their opinion. Right, right. Yeah, so it seems like the the most important thing that the kid can do is in that situation, whether or not they're happy or they're unhappy, is they just need to have a good attitude about it and they need to they need to be willing to put their head down and work, even if it means that they're not going to get on the field. Yeah, and that's not so easy. You know, it's it's really hard to be a good teammate when you're not playing. 
but at the same time, it's something that has to happen for sure. Um, you know, so I, I feel like I, I am jumping around a little bit here, but, uh, you know, this sort of relates to something you said earlier. Um, you know, how do you, how can coaches and parents make sure that they teach kids, um, the concept of self ownership, right? Like, so one thing that I've seen you mention either on your social media or on your site was, um, you know, you want to make sure that the kid is playing the sport and having fun for themselves. Like they're not playing to make the parent happy or to make the coach happy. They're doing it because they want to do it and they're happy being out there. And, and, and how do you make sure that, you know, either a parent doesn't get in the way of that or a coach doesn't get in the way of that or, or you know, the kid learns that that's the way it's supposed to be? Well, I, I say to parents, I mean, if they don't want it, don't, don't put them in there. You know, there's, there's a, my, my parents forced me or my dad forced me to play when I was like 12 and it was like the best thing ever. Cause I just, I liked baseball. I just didn't want to play. I was kind of lazy. and like, I don't want to play this year. And he just made me and it was like the best time I ever had. But if the kid really doesn't want to play, why are we forcing him to do it? You know? And, and I've had had that tough conversation sometimes with a parent like, Hey, they just don't want to work hard and they don't, they don't want to play. So you got to have that hard conversation and, and I'll flat out ask them cause I can tell by body language and and stuff like that, you know, the difference between just having a bad day or they're just really uninterested, you know? So I'll say, Hey, do you really want to be here? And a lot of the times they'll say no or whatever, you know, answer they want to have. And I'll have to go communicate with the parents. So they, you got to want it as a player. Um, and I think a, a lot of that is, is just environments that the kids are in. That's why as a coach, I think it's so important to understand your influence because you can influence a kid's desire to play or quit. I've seen it a whole bunch. I've seen it a whole bunch where a coach just is a horrible coach Maybe the kid didn't play. Maybe maybe it was a, a, a tyrant environment, you know, or a toxic environment. And, and you as a coach caused them to quit. And that's, in my opinion, unacceptable. I mean, you have to understand, excuse me, the the importance uh, of the role that you have as, as being a role model and to, and to continue to help these kids play. Right, right. Yeah, you know, the, it, this just makes me think of, you know, when I was when I was a younger kid playing football, I think, you know, in like fifth, sixth grade. I was in that same position that you were. I just, I just absolutely did not want to play. My, uh, you know, my parents pushed me a little bit to get out there because they thought that I would like it. Absolutely did not like it. And they were okay with me stepping away from it. Um, and the reason why I bring this up is because later on in high school, my sophomore, junior year of high school, I ended up getting back into football. And it was the most fun I think I've ever had in any sport on any level. Um, and I really, really believe it's because my parents were able to let me and be okay with me saying like, Hey, now's not the time for me to play football. Um, they didn't pressure me. They at least, you know, pushed me a little bit to give it a shot when it wasn't for me, I stepped away and therefore I was able to come back to the sport later and had so much fun. Yeah. If fun's not the factor or, or you don't, you enjoy, you don't enjoy doing it, then why are you doing it? Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, you know, looking at things from the parents perspective, um, what is the most common mistake you see baseball or softball parents making for their kids or, you know, for the coaches? I think the, the one thing that I deal with on a regular basis, and I've said this, I think earlier, but it's unrealistic expectations from parents. And, and what that entails is, you know, the expectation of getting a hit every time or the expectation of playing at a certain level or hitting at a certain spot in the lineup or playing a specific pit position or whatever. So I think there's, I see it a lot. I think there's severe unrealism 
unrealistic expectations when it comes to, you know, a player's abilities. You know, I, I look at a parent and they're expecting the kid to go four for four every weekend. Then I look at the kid and I'm just like, if they're just hitting it, that's good. You know, so I think understanding, you know, a real honest assessment of, of who your child is and, and what they do. Number one is, is the most important thing. And the second thing is just allowing them to be a kid too. I think, you know, you get the, the whole travel ball and the club ball type stuff at an early age. And then before you know it, by their, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, they're already burnt out. So it's like, allow them to go ride a bike and be a kid and play multiple sports. So I'm in Arizona right now and it's ridiculous. The amount of kids that I've encountered so far that don't play more than just baseball. I'm talking, it's like less than 5%. It's crazy. Like why isn't a kid playing basketball or soccer or whatever? And I get that you like baseball, but you need a break. You need to refresh and renew your mind and get away from it. And then you also need to refresh and get your arm away from throwing and, and get away from the game so that you enjoy it more. So I think, I think as there's that aspect of it too, of a parent just getting enough downtime to let them be a kid and not be so like gung ho year round about it. You don't have to play a sport year round to play at the level you want to play at. In fact, it's quite opposite of that. You need to refresh so that you can go put some work in and renew your mind to get excited about it again. So the unre- unrealistic expectation and just letting them be kids. That's, that's the two things that I would, I would suggest. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the hardest thing for, I feel like a parent, especially today is, you know, especially when, when a parent recognizes that their kid has talent, they want to make sure that they're giving them every opportunity to succeed and be able to play at the next level. And so they feel that they do need to be playing baseball or whatever sport they're focusing on day in and day out pretty much year round. And that is, at least in my experience, and I think it's becoming more and more um, you know, common through research, that that is not the way to do it. Um, and again, you know, I know this is a tough question, but how do, you, how do you teach a parent not to push their kids so hard? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I would... I would say that I'm pretty hard on my kids as far as like just working hard and stuff like that and getting off the couch and not playing the iPads and stuff like that. But, you know, you got to you got to teach your kids to teach themselves to want it, I guess is the best way to put it. Right. Uh, I see too many times where parents want it way more than the kids do, especially at a younger age. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is just playing it out. Let it play out. You know, at 11, 12 years old, you're already thinking about college. That's ridiculous. Like, come on. Like let's focus right. on having fun. And then when that stuff happens, it happens. So I, I don't, I don't have the perfect answer for that. But as far as like what I do with my kids, I want to challenge them. But at the same time, I want them to kind of figure it out themselves a little bit too. Right. Right. makes sense. Makes sense. Um, all right. Well, Troy, listen, um, can you tell us real quick uh, about the baseball family podcast? Yeah. Um, so the baseball family podcast uh, was started a few months back. Um, we were approached to do this podcast sponsored by baseballism. And, um, we, my, my wife and I are doing it. We're doing weekly topics, sort of like what you're talking about right now, going a little bit more detailed into specific things, how parents can handle things and how coaches can do things better and how as a community that we can make a better impact and and make a change and kind of how this culture is getting a little bit crazy. So, um, we do it about once every other week and we have specific topics that we talk about. My wife's awesome. She knows not a lot about baseball, which kind of grounds me to, to, 
have a parent perspective on someone that doesn't know very much. And then you have me that kind of is the baseball truth teller, if you want to call it, that's out there. So I think it's a good fit. It's a, it's a good perspective from both sides. And we're just trying to make an impact in the culture to hopefully give people information that they need the, to, to handle these things that you're discussing right now better too as well. So, so follow us on that. Subscribe to that. It's called the Bat Baseball Family Podcast. You can uh, get it on, I think it's iTunes, Google, and all the other um, podcasting uh, avenues as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. And if, uh, if people want to learn more about you or baseball truth or anything like that, where can they find more information? I have a website. It's TroyPSilva.com. Um, in that website, I have some gear, some hats, uh, my book, I wrote a book called nine innings of hitting. Um, that's available in there too, as well. There's an audio version in there, but in there, uh, in the, the TroyPSilva.com website, there's a ton of informational videos that are all free. So, kind of the stuff that we're talking about here, go into detail a little bit more about hitting, but there's tons of free videos in there. So if you're a parent or a coach or a player that's looking to kind of learn more about this, enhance your game, get better at the plate, you know, be a better coach, I would recommend going to that um, as well. And then I'm here in Arizona. So I have just started our Arizona Rio Athletics Baseball Academy. So if you're down in this area at all, uh, hit me up there on Instagram at uh, Arizona uh, Rio Athletics. Cool. And uh, we will put all those links um, in the show notes of, uh, of the blog post for this show, just in case anybody's curious about where they can find it. Um, but, uh, but Troy, listen, uh, this has been great, but there's been one question that I've asked everybody who's come on the show. What are three things everyone should be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? It doesn't have to just be baseball or softball. Three things. Uh, so as a player that you can get better at, obviously you got to work on your skills. So working on your skills could be hitting, you know, fielding, throwing, um, weight training, if you're old enough, that kind of stuff. I think, um, getting your schoolwork done. So if you can't get good grades and and you're not doing well in school, you're not going to have opportunities to play at, you know, that college level that everybody or the high school level, even obviously. Um, so make sure you're getting good grades and then spiritually make sure you're, you know, in right with God and just make sure you're trying to try to get close because he's the only one that will help you through. Awesome. Awesome. Troy, listen, um, this has been, this has been great. I, I think what you're doing is, uh, is really the right thing to be doing and, and it's great stuff. I highly recommend anybody who's listening, check it out. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a great conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. Awesome, Joe. You're awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for listening to the game changer baseball and softball podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yavoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Yavoli. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give a positive review on iTunes. This makes it easier for more coaches, parents, and players to find the podcast. And make sure to check out the free Game Changer Baseball and Softball scorekeeping app to get advanced statistics, live updates, and team management solutions for baseball and softball teams at any level. You can learn more at GC.com. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better.